We appreciate that so much. Appreciate our missionaries and uh, appreciate these go-getters. Good to see everybody here tonight. As you can see, Brother Jeremiah is not with us. And so I'm going to share a message with you. And if you'll go ahead and jump into the scripture, John chapter 8. Um, I'd like to recognize a friend of ours uh, and his wife that is here with us traveling through. Uh, World Missions, Bearing Precious Seed, Brother and Miss Deneau sitting right over here. And they spent, uh, have stayed with us at the camp many times and when they'd be traveling through. And we appreciate the work uh, that they're doing. And uh, uh, don't like to mention anything about age, but it's good to just keep on going. Almost perpetual, isn't it? As long as you got a vehicle to pull that trailer up and down the highway. And uh, they're in the printing and outreach and uh, just got a great ministry there. And, uh, but we're glad to have them come and visit with us here, here tonight. Uh, sound like the teens had a great time. I, I was happy that a couple of our grandkids was able to go with them. And uh, anyway, uh, appreciate Brother Aaron and uh, what they're doing here with the kids. And Brother Zach, too. And we'll be praying with you all about your trip, right? Amen. We had traveled, uh, <clears throat> we traveled a little bit with teenagers back uh, many years ago from the camp. We used to take a mission trip when camps were over. And uh, uh, two vans, a van load of girls, a van load of boys. We traveled one summer 7,000 miles. And, uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, after about the uh, midway through the second week, it got to be a little contentious with all the kids up and down, in and out. We did have a 70-year-old chaperone with us for the girls. And so some of you ladies out here that may be of that age, you know, uh, there's always something to do in the church uh, with the young people. John chapter uh, 8, I'm going to read 11 verses. If you'll stand with me, then I'll pray. And then we'll slow down a little bit and share the message. John chapter 8, I'll read verses 1 through 11, and then we'll pray. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple. And all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that should, such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? And they said, Tempt him, him that they might have a, to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee go and sin no more. Let's pray. Fathers, we come to you tonight. We just thank you, Father, so much to be able to gather together in a nice-sized building with air-conditioned and soft seats. And uh, Father, help us tonight to see how privileged we are, uh, dear Lord, to have all of these comforts and how blessed we are. And oh, Lord, just help us not to forget uh, the great work that you called us to do, uh, dear Lord, to reach the world. We love you and we praise you. I thank you that somebody uh, told me about Jesus man of God got up and preached and you brought conviction in my heart and saved my soul so we thank you and we praise you pray you bless this missionary here tonight all of our missionaries and I pray you'd help me to be a blessing in a timely message and we're going to thank you for what you're going to do in Jesus name amen you may be seated um, 
The Lord put this passage upon my heart. I taught a little bit out of the Sunday school here this past week. But let me go and give you a quick introduction here uh, where I'm headed with this. Going back to creation, when God created man, God placed within man the faculty of reason. And with that faculty of reason, we weigh out the options that we have before us. Uh, we have hundreds and hundreds of options just about every day over the course of the week, how we're going to live our life, what's important, what's not important, how we spend our money, uh, how much time we spend on entertainment, just everything in the world uh, is based on how we weigh out things and how we make decisions. God went a little farther, and this is, this is really important. God went a little farther with that faculty of reason that he gave us, and he gave us a receptor. Now, don't feel around in your head and try to find something there. It's it's how God made us, and it's been passed on and passed on and passed on. But he gave us a receptor to receive conviction. What an amazing thing. What a wonderful thing. And he built that inside of man, and it was not lost in the fall, and it's still there, and it is such a very important factor. Matthew Henry said this about conviction. He said, conviction is God's deputy in the soul. I said, wow, isn't that great? Conviction is God's deputy in the soul. And um, so anyway, as we think about this, we look back. I was thinking about Eve here, and I, just a quick note about her. Uh, Eve rebutted Satan. You know, she fell, but at first she rebutted Satan. What did she rebut him with? She, re she rebutted him with God's instructions when she said, told Satan, but of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest it thereof, thou shalt surely die. So she was quoting scripture, and the point I'm trying to make about this is things that we learn builds inside of us conviction before the problem gets there. And that's where the power of the word of God is. We go a little farther in Genesis, and then we read about in Genesis chapter 6 and verse 3 about God striving with man. Notice that word, God striving with man. We understand that only six, uh, eight people got saved. Only eight people got on board the boat. And you can calculate in your head and, and come up. I've heard where some preachers have come up with millions. I've heard where it's been calculated maybe even a billion people on the planet. I, I don't know. That's not the important part. But the important part is that God said, my spirit will not always strive with man in Genesis 6-3. That striving that God does is God deals with that heart and consciousness and that receptor that we have to hear from God. And so as we think about that, uh, opportunity was given, but it was rejected. Now keep that in mind. Opportunity was given, but it was rejected. I'm very concerned today for the lack of apparent conviction, not just in America or the world, but in the church. I'm very concerned. Why am I concerned? Because I look back in the days of Noah, that only eight people got saved, but here God was, watch this, striving and striving and striving and convicting and working on people's hearts, trying to open the door, give them an opportunity to see the great need that was there, but yet the entire world perished and only eight people got saved. So as we think about this, um, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 37, he says, but of the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man. Now, God has not stopped convicting people. He convicts lost souls. In, in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 men 
Men and brethren, what shall we do? These were some of the ones that put Jesus up there on the cross. And, and, and a great number of people got saved. And, and that was just the men. And, and all through the book of Acts, we see that. So God did not stop doing this. God does not stop with his conviction, with that striving that he does. And he's not willing that any should perish. And God is still doing that. But I'm alarmed today that it seems like there's so little conviction among God's people. You know, we can get used to things real fast like they did in the days of Noah. They got used to marrying, giving in marriage, eating and drinking, enjoying things of life, and there's nothing wrong with those things. But you know what? They became the Laodicean church of the Old Testament. I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And they, God got a little bit more left out of their life, a little bit more left out of their life, and a little bit more left out of their life. And so I could go on, but I want to try to keep this confined uh, and, and get you out of here uh, on time or close to on time. So I want to preach tonight. I want to preach tonight on conviction, on conviction. There's a Bible lesson here, but I want to preach this to you. So we think about conviction. What, it, what is conviction? Well, we look words up, and uh, I, I want to be on the mark. I want to preach what the Bible says. I don't want to add to it. I don't want to take away. I don't want none of those curses on me. And so we, we try to figure out, well, just exactly what is this so we can relate it. And I want to tell you, it's almost like a foreign wor word anymore trying to relate Bible doctrine uh, to, to people in the church today. I told a preacher the other day, I said, you know, it's a shame when preachers have to spend so much time telling people what the Bible says and saying, hey, the Bible's true. I find that amazing that we, we spend so much of our time doing that. But conviction... Uh, when it was first used, uh, thinking about this in the Bible, it came from two Latin words, which means this, cause to see. I like to see, amen? I like to see where I'm going. I want to know what's going on. I have an eternal soul that's going to live forever. And because I'm saved, I'll appear at the judgment seat of Christ. And I'll be, either be rewarded for what I did that was worthy, or I'll be denied reward. I'll be able to see what I could have had. And the Bible says I'll suffer loss. That's pretty, that's pretty important. And so this word conviction... Uh, to cause to see. In the New Testament, there's some words that, that are used and uh, they, they mean conviction. New Testament words, the word convict, of course, that we see it here in this passage that we're going to talk about here in a moment. And then the word convince, and then the word reprove, and then the word rebuke. Uh, those are all New Testament terms that talks about conviction. And I want to tell you, conviction is important. We know the, we got the Bible here that brings conviction. When the man reads the Bible, when you read the Bible, when the Bible is preached, uh, we've, got, uh, we've got people, when they live the Bible, their testimony. Uh, this verse right here in Titus 1.9, it says, Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine. Holding fast the faithful word. In other words, we're living the way the Bible says. We're working at it. We're staying at it. We're being faithful that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and what's this word? Convince the gainsayer. And the gainsayer is the one that's against the way God wants us to live. And so we see that uh, through the word of God. And then we've got the Holy Spirit. Isn't it wonderful? And, and the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is God like the word is God. Jesus, the word of God, became flesh. And so we got all these factors and we got people that live for God. Their testimony that brings conviction. How many times have you been around somebody that's serving God better than you are maybe? And your heart was smitten because they're doing a better job than you are. And your heart was smitten and said, you know, I need to do better. I need to tighten up my game. 
So as we think of this word conviction, it's a very important doctrine, uh, and it's something that we need to be aware of that happens in our life and to be able to allow God to work through there. Now notice getting to the passage that we just read here. Here these men are. They're about to kill this woman so they can entrap Jesus. Now we know this was the Pharisees and the scribes that was doing this, but they called themselves doing this in the name of God. Well, I want to tell you, America and the church is following close along through this like these guys were doing. But these guys here, they were about to kill this woman and trap Jesus, but something interesting happened to them. They changed their minds. Amen? You ever hear somebody getting a pardon? Can you imagine how exciting, how exciting it is for somebody uh, in prison uh, that is sentenced to a life sentence or even a death sentence? Now, we know the lady here uh, got saved and got her pardon here. Uh, but these men here, they, were, they, were, they brought her there. And they were going to be happy to see this woman murdered. Happy to see her murdered. And they changed their minds. Verse 9 says they were convicted. Now, I know we're talking about lost people here. But isn't it interesting what God put inside of us that as a lost person, we have a receptor to receive conviction from God. Hallelujah. I mean, amen. That we can be saved and that God works on that. And it's an amazing thing to watch, uh, uh, watch how God works in the lost person. But here these men are, and they are about to kill this woman to entrap Jesus, but they changed their mind. Verse 9 says they were convicted. Just this one verse. Can you imagine this? Just this one verse. Just this one verse. He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone. So there is what conviction is. Many of you understand the word. Many of you kids in here tonight kind of understand that a little bit. But we need to understand more about what God wants to know. Because God wants to do something wonderful in everybody's life. And when we stand there at the judgment seat, and, 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 and we, we certainly don't want to be embarrassed, but we want to have, hey, God, what do you have for me? What do you want me to do? And I guarantee you this, we won't do it without the conviction of God upon our conscience. So there's conviction. Well, how does conviction work? Well, verse 9 says, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. Conviction works, they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience. Here's the word of God, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Most of us have several Bibles in our house. Uh, America's flooded with Bibles. Many of the foreign countries still don't, uh, everybody still don't have a Bible. Some churches, some missionaries I've talked to, uh, uh, there may be one or two Bibles in the church. And, and inside this book is the Word of God, quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword that God uses to, to bring conviction upon our conscience. And here are these men, that one verse, that one verse, they gave up. And God did something in there that you and I can't do for anybody. God worked in their hearts and began to change their hearts and they went out from the oldest down to the youngest. So how conviction works? They heard it. Jesus' words 
struck their conscience. It says, being convicted, being convicted, being reproved, being corrected by their own conscience, they went out one by one. So Jesus' words struck at their conscience, and watch this, conquered their evil desires. Now I'm going to tell you, Paul said, uh, there's a law that when I would do good, evil is there with me. It's there. Uh, brother, uh, I think Brother Gary mentioned something uh, uh, um, Sunday night, preached a great message, and talked about Satan's desires. And I want to tell you, there's nobody in here that can go up against Satan without God. I mean, he's powerful. And, uh, but that, that evil side, that part of us that did not get saved, we, the body didn't get redeemed. When we got saved, our, our spirit, we're born again, but the body didn't get redeemed. We're going to get a new body one day. But we see here that, that, that Jesus struck their conscience there through the conviction. The word conscience means co-perception. And you kids in school know the word co means two. So perception is how we perceive, how we think, how we make decisions. So we've, we've, all, we've always got that flesh there that's gnawing at us. And the devil works through the flesh. He can't work through the new man. He works through the old man. And that's why we have to, as we grow, we have to put off the old man, put on the new man. Amen. And I find it difficult every day uh, to keep that good spirit uh, to where God can lead me. And I want to do the things that God wants me to do. Uh, but the old man is still there. So conviction works through our own conscience. And that's what happened to these men. They were convicted. Uh, by their own conscience, and we see this here, this, this word conscience means co-perception. Now watch this, and listen to these next few little statements real carefully. This co-perception is seeing our perception in the light of God's perception. God's got a pretty big flashlight. Co-perception, definition of conscience, means seeing our perception, how we see things, how we think, in the light of how God sees and how God thinks. And he brings that upon our conscience. There's not anybody in here that, that has not, unless you're just a little baby, that has not experienced some type of conviction. You may not know what it is, uh, but this is how God works. He works through that receptor inside of us, that conscience. Uh, before we get saved, <coughs> God lets us know uh, that we're lost, that we're hell-bound, and it increases and gets greater, uh, just like all the stories here in the Bible, the demoniac, all the others, and we get saved. But I'm looking more to the church here tonight, seeing our perception, how we think in the light of how God thinks. And the Bible shows us here that they saw themselves the way God saw them. You ever thought about that? God, what do you think about me today? God, what do you think about what I'm thinking? You know, Jeremiah said that uh, uh, the heart is desperately wicked and wicked above all things. Who can know it? We, we can't even understand how desperate you hear some of the heinous things that are going on here. But, but notice this. If you don't get anything else tonight, get this. They saw themselves the way God saw them. In other words, they came in there. They were, they were ready to get this job done. Hey, we're going we're, we're, we're to trip up this man. They didn't believe he was the Christ. They were back in the wrong horse. These men were lost. And they said, we're, we're going to fix this man. Either way he goes here, we're going to get him. 
but they were dealing with God. And that one verse, wow! That one verse, they were convicted in their own conscience, and they went out one by one. Can I tell you, there's nobody here tonight that God can't fix your problem. And we all have heart problems. But it, I'm just, I'm so amazed at what God does. But what they did, I'll say it one more time, they saw themselves the way God saw them. They saw themselves that they're no better than she is. I don't like to be around people that look down their nose at other people. I used to see a lot of that in school when I was a kid. And, uh, but we're all the same. We all have the same problems. But this wonderful thing of conviction that God works on our conscience, and that conscience is, uh, is, is co-perception. Uh, and again, that's seeing our vision, our perception, if you will, in the light of God's perception. And they saw themselves the way God, said, the way God sees them, that they were no better than her. Let me give you a quick verse here in Romans. I can't give you all the context of this verse, but I'm going to give you what it says here. and it's, it's enough to kind of make the point. I could give you verse after verse um, tonight, but I'm just going to give you this one. So listen to what it says. Romans 2.15, it says, talking about the Gentiles getting saved, it says, which show the work of the law written in their hearts. Show the work of the law written in their hearts. Their conscience. Their conscience also bearing witness and their thoughts the meanwhile accusing or else excusing. Isn't that amazing? We're not, a, we're not alone in this world. And boy, when we get saved, we're really not alone. And that channel opens wide open when we get saved and God, you know, speaking to us and showing us and giving us and helping us to see how God sees things. Uh, have you ever been wrong? Yeah. I mean, have you ever really been serious about something and found out later? Man, not only was I wrong, I was bad wrong. Well, this is one of the wonderful things that God does. And God wants, God wants this conviction upon our conscience. God, God showing us how things really are. It says their conscience also bearing witness. You ever try to figure out what's the right thing to do and what's the wrong thing to do and you kind of got a toss up in there? Isn't it good to have a witness from God? That's God, that's God speaking. And he speaks through the book. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never leads contrary to what the book says. And it bears witness. And watch this again. Bearing witness and their thoughts, the meanwhile accusing or excusing. In other words, we're, we want to we, we hone in to what God wants for us, the way he wants us to see things. And when we do that, we've got it right. And then we build on that. And so what I'm trying to share with you tonight, this is, this is a doctrine that we build on. And we can add to it. And we can get better at it. Uh, what little hair I got, some of it's done turn white. I, I still got a little pigment in some of it, brother. You know, it's called gray, but it's got some black mixed in with the gray. So I'm not quite there as old as some of the folks here tonight. But, you know, the Bible talks about white hair, the hoary hair and stuff like that with wisdom and, and things like that. Well, we see it here. The older guys went out first. And... Uh, so the point is it was here, they were striving against, what's this, and, and this is so amazing here. They were striving against Jesus while God was striving to win their heart. Who deserves salvation here tonight? 
I didn't and I still don't I've been saved a long time I didn't and I still don't here's God here's God when I used to read this years ago I think wow boy they got their own right they got their comeuppance didn't they and I only thought about the woman here. I only thought about the woman that, that they were going to murder. And, and, and I didn't think about these guys. But here they were. They were striving against Jesus while God was striving to win them. Are you getting that? If you're not, it's very important. I'll say it five more times. These men were striving against Jesus all the while God was striving to win them. You know, Jesus said to all the churches in the book of Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear. You know what our problem is? The hearing part. It's all here. We don't hear with just the ear. We hear with that receptor, with that heart. Hear God. And God was working against them, working for them, while they were working against him uh, to get these men to a point to where they, they could get saved. And if you don't think it was amazing, one verse, one half of a verse, and they changed their mind. Lost all their boldness. God did that. While they were trying to uh, dishonor the Lord, while they were striving against him. He that hath an ear, let him hear. So keep in mind, learn to listen to God. Either excusing or accusing your thoughts. Amen? I mean, it's here in the Bible. Uh, we don't have to be dummy Christians, right? Amen? I feel like a dummy sometimes. I'll read, read some of this stuff and I say, Wow, man, look, I thought I knew that. And I find out I'm on the wrong side of the fence. But God works on that. So this is how convictions work. Um, strife, they were striving here. Strife strikes the match. And pride feeds the flame. Strife strikes the match. And pride feeds the flame. Here's your good verse. Memorize it. Philippians 2, 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. You know, most of my problems come from strife and vainglory. Strife is when trouble comes in your heart and you try to settle things through getting mad strife he that taketh the sword will die with the sword <laughs> strife and then you get something stirred up and you get it burning and, and, and because you still got the strife you can't let God say God take this strife for me okay I've been tell trying to tell you what to do you know and I've been trying to convict you and been trying to work on your conscience but you're so inflamed with that strife and then you feed it with your pride. We cut up about, I cut up with my wife sometimes. And uh, uh, sometimes we both laugh at it. Sometimes she doesn't laugh at it. And I said, you think you know everything? Or something like, well, I didn't know you knew everything, right? You know, you ladies got that problem, you know? <laughs> it's kind of a fun thing, husband and wife, as long as they get too much out of hand. But this, this thing of, 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 of stirring something up or being in the middle of something, being stirred in strife and then getting angry about it, you can't serve God with anger. You can't serve God with premeditation uh, to, to get somebody that, like these guys here were doing. So anyway, 
they were striving against Jesus while God was striving to win them. And again, strife strikes the match and pride feeds it and pride will keep on feeding it. And pride, strife and pride, you know what it does? Neutralizes conviction. Hello? It neutralizes conviction. And next thing you know, you become a Pharisee. Christian Pharisee. So, we've got what conviction is. We've got how conviction works. And finally, I want to see the great victory of conviction. The great victory of conviction. I'm sorry. I... Water's great. So the third thing we see here, finally, we see great victory of conviction. Victory comes in the, in the form of submission. Amen? Me and my wife, we have uh, different issues and stuff like that. Whenever she submits to me, we both have victory. That's a joke. I got a straight face. But, <laughs> but you know, it, it, is, it is biblically true, and I'm certainly not going to open that can of worms uh, trying to get you out of here close to on time. So finally, we see the great victory of conviction. Victory comes in the form of submission. Jesus, how many times did he, uh, did he preach on this? For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. We don't like losing. Now, that's the flesh side, right? not the spirit side so we see this great victory here of, of conviction but it comes in the form of submission submitting to God and to be able to, to to lose our life you know for his sake but if you want to save it guess what you lose it you may get what you want here but you know what you're not going to have it there if you really are going it bothers me when a professing Christian uh, it bothers me myself when a professing Christian, and I can't judge, I don't want to judge anybody. I get to judge myself. And God says if we do that, then we won't be judged. But it really bothers me when like faith people can't get the same thing out of the Bible, right? The Bible, the amazing word of God. So we see this great victory that took place. Now these men, we'll finish with them. These men, the greatest day in these men's lives, and the woman too, this was it. This was it. Isn't it amazing? This was it. This was the day that they were going to have victory over Jesus. And God wound up getting victory over them through conviction and their conscience, that co-perception. They're hearing something up here. And it's God. You ever heard from God? Has God ever spoke to you clearly? I'm talking about since you got saved. Isn't it wonderful? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing when God gives you something and here it is. It's, it's solid as a rock. And you know God said it and you don't want to ever turn loose of it because it's real. It fulfills you. And it knows it's going to carry you on down the road a little bit farther. That's that victory. And so here these men, the greatest day in, in these men's lives was right here. The woman too, but we're looking at these men, what God did in their lives with half of a verse. Let me give you a couple of, close, a couple of verses here, and, and, and I'll close with this. So we, we said what conviction is. It's when we get reproved. 
God wants us to convince us something. John 16, 8, the Holy Spirit has come down to reprove, uh, convince, look it up, to reprove the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. God wants us to know what sin is. God wants us to know what righteousness is. And God wants us to know that there's a judgment coming. Those are important factors in our life. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Mighty through God. Listen to the rest of it. To the pulling down of strongholds. What is that inside of us, that beast inside of us, that we can get off track and we can resist the conviction of God. God says, I'll pull that stronghold down. Amen. Hey, the, the stronghold of, of, uh, of pride, of always being right, God will pull it down. The stronghold of immorality, the stronghold of, of ugly thoughts, the stronghold of strife, We've been freed when we got saved. And this book applies to us. And this is how God speaks to us and how this amazing thing can take place. So God wants to pull that down, the pulling down of strongholds. He's mighty. And these, uh, the weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but oftentimes we go to the flesh. Hebrews 4.12, I've quoted half of this already. For the word of God is quick, that means living. It's powerful more powerful than anything, and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's sharp. It's piercing. Piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. Watch this, last part. And as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Wow. Amen. This book. How many copies are there around the world? I'd, I'd say billions. Billions. But every word in here that's spoken that was written is still just as powerful as the day it was recorded, as it was spoken, as it was spoken. And brother and sister, if we could get a hold of that tonight and just get started. Remember when you went from a tricycle to a bicycle? We could really be rolling on two wheels. And look what might get done in our homes. Look what might get done in our churches. Look what might get done in Hattiesburg. Amazing things. So the third thing we see here is the great victory that can be had. And here's the final little nugget in this. Conviction can end. Conviction can end. God told the world in Genesis 6-3, through Noah's preaching, my spirit shall not always strive with men. I wonder who's going to win trying to fight God. We know who's going to win. He's already won. God's already seen it through to the end. So as we think about this tonight, think about that little receptor that God put in your heart, in your mind, that he can send you a message as a lost person, brother, that can change your life. Can you imagine that? I think these guys eventually got saved. 
That's just my guess. I think they eventually got saved. We don't want to trick this man anymore. He's the Christ. But wouldn't it be amazing? It's there. But I'll say this. You say, well, Brother Jack, why are things like they are? Because of sin. Jesus said it's going to be like the days of Noah. Well, I mean, we're not idiots, right? We can go back and read what happened in the beginning. And, you know, the family got messed up in Genesis chapter 6. And, and parental, uh, parental uh, uh, I hate to use the word parental controls, but parental instruction, parental training uh, uh, for, for, save, for, their, for the saved kids. They got crossed over with the lost kids, got to doing the things they do. Uh, man, those pleasures, all this stuff is great. And here in America today, we get consumed with things we like, things we pass our time with, and we get so in tune to those things that the conviction kind of grows quiet. But I want to tell you here, God's God, and what he did with those men, listen, imagine what he could do with you and I if we just tune in the conviction and that co-perception of accusing or excusing God wants to do something wonderful. But just think about the walk, amen? I've got a happy marriage. We've had ups and downs. Uh, brother, know how long y'all been married? 58 years. Well, we're behind you there a little bit. <laughs> but if we live that long, I hope to make it that long. When things are good in a marriage, are they, is it good? Is it wonderful? Amen. Anybody married in here? You better say yes. But, but you know how bad they are when they're bad? Oh, man, I hate to go home or whatever. What's this? The Christian life, we're, we're betrothed to Jesus Christ. And by the washing of the water of the word, we're going to be presented to him one day. And so anyway, let's stand for invitation. Father, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed and nobody look around, we, we thank you so much, Father, for this passage. I thank you, God. I, I feel like a kid in a candy store, Father, when you showed this to me about my life. And I'm still excited about it. And I pray that the message went out clear enough that it could be received, that there would be ears to hear tonight. And, Lord, that lives could be changed. If there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know Jesus that needs to be saved, and um, I believe they're under conviction right now, I pray they'd come forward and, and, and trust in Christ, receive Christ, and become a child of God tonight. But for those of us that are saved, which is most of us is here, Lord, just help us go away here tonight and see the greatness of this book, the greatness of our God, and to understand, dear Lord, about conviction and our conscience. Bless this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our heads are bowed, eyes are closed, and for a few moments, as pianist plays, I don't deserve anything, but I'm sure I'm so glad what God gave me in salvation. I'm thankful for the wife that He gave me, for hard, her hard work in ministry. I'm thankful for my parents, my in-laws. I'm thankful for my kids. Thankful for my son, your pastor. I thank God for all the great things that he's doing and wants to do. 
but he's still the God of miracles, of amazing things. You heard this brother talking about his ministry, and I can just think of the word amazing. And God wants to be amazing to every one of us, every one of us. And things that we save our time for, they have nowhere near compare <clears throat> to the amazing things that God wants to do. Just a closer walk. Walking hand in hand with God. How wonderful. my heart today. Try me, O Savior. Know my thoughts. One half of a verse brought conviction to their consciences and they went out one by one. How amazing. Don't think for a second that God can't straighten out whatever you need straightened out. I need, need God every day. I have things that, that need my attention every day. I need God every day. I could go just a few moments and get in a bad mood about anything. I need God every day. Oh. Uh... 